Miami's like the little stepsister of New York City, right? Yes, <laughs> it is. There's and a lot of back and, and forth. And Miami's gotten so sophisticated. And so uh, there's this European influence and, you know, South Americans are here and it's just, it's this eclectic, it's very vibrant right now. I will say, I kind of love it. And I kind of hated it. I, I kind of liked when it was like this little quiet, little beachy town, but there are benefits to all of that. And to your point about writing in Miami, I, I write what I know. And I get a, a feeling from a place. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. I am very pleased to be interviewing Rochelle B. Weinstein. I want to get that B in there uh, because it's in her bio. Uh, she was born and raised in Miami, Florida. She moved north to attend the University of Maryland, earned a degree in journalism, began her career in Los Angeles at the LA Weekly. Then she moved back to Miami, enjoyed a stint in the entertainment industry, married her love of music with all things creative. And then she began to write, it says, when your twins arrived, which is a very interesting moment to begin blossoming as a writer. And we are here today to discuss her recent novel, When We Let Go. So hi, Rochelle, it is so nice to meet you. Hi, Andrew. Thank you so much for having me here. And to hello to everybody out there who's listening in. Yes, yes. So I want to start with that. What was it about the birth of your twins that really began your writing career in creative writing? That's a great question. So I was always a closeted writer. Um, I had the journal going, you know, the private musings, nothing for public consumption, because God knows what I had to say was not worthwhile. And I'd worked since I was 14 years old, always, you know, I was a latchkey kid and, you know, I've always had jobs. So what was interesting was I was working for the Box Music Network, which was, my kids always tell me it was much cooler than my current job. Uh, I worked with all the record labels all around the country on a, on a network that I handled all their um, advertising and promotions. So the company was ultimately bought by MTV out of New York by Viacom and they moved everybody up to New York, but my family, I'm in Miami. So my family was here. I had just had my twin boys and, you know, you don't, you don't pick up and move your whole family away from the grandparents when you have twin boys. So I opted to stay in Miami. They gave me a year severance, which is kind of unheard of these days. And I was like, okay. So what am I going to do with my life? And I know what I know what everybody's saying out there. And well, you have twin boys. And I mean, they were infants and getting them on a schedule because I was crazy. And I got them on such a militant schedule. Like they were napping like three hours during the day, in the morning. And then, you know, they we, I just felt like I needed an outlet. Like I mm -hmm. felt that I needed something for me. And being a mom we will never diminish being a mom. It's one of the hardest jobs in the world and one of the most fulfilling. But having always worked my entire life, I just had this itch to scratch and I had a story to tell. And I literally sat down while they were napping. I would just do three hour blocks every day and 110,000 words became my first novel, um, What We Leave Behind. I almost forgot the name. And that was an... 2000 2001 maybe 
And I didn't do anything with that book. It didn't, it didn't come out till 2012. Mm. Okay. Well, and I think it's the uh, best-selling novel, right? Yeah. I don't want you to sell yourself short on it. Like yeah. Rochelle yeah. has been written about in the New York Times. I mean, this is, yes. <laughs> well. It was a USA Today best-selling book. That okay, one. well, I would take it. USA Today best-selling book. As long as you can say best-selling book anywhere you're <laughs> good but i'm kind of matching your well thank you for laying that out because i think it's so interesting to talk to someone who goes into creative writing and that process later like when they're in another career so it's not say just your side hustle mm -hmm. as you're at a job and it's something that you now have fallen into i mean you did just say though you're working still in uh, music or is it a different no. type of? No, no, oh, no. Okay. I'm not in the music business at all. I wrote that first book as a lark. Didn't know what I was going to do with it. Sat under the bed, got it professionally edited. Let the, 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 the carpool moms read it in their book club. They were like, you need to get this published. Fast forward. It, I did self-publish, which is a whole other podcast for, you know, mm -hmm. struggling writers and yes, it ended up hitting the USA Today bestseller list. But, you know, I was talking to somebody today, as a matter of fact, another writer about, you know, she was like, well, I'm 51. Am I going to really start a career right now in writing? And oh my God, writing is like one of those, one of the few things that we can do as women, as, as mature women also mm -hmm. at any stage in our lives. So I think it's such a blessing and such a gift to be able to have that ability to in today's world also. Yeah. And I'm kind of matching your Miami vibes. I don't know. I uh, I like to think Miami is always all floral patterns of outfits, but. Um, oh my God, you're, you're right. You're, that's very cute. You're in your floral. I'm well, in my pink. <laughs> there you go. I like it. Yeah, you're matching. Rochelle is matching the cover of when we let go yes. in a way. Yes, hold it up again. And something that I want to know is it's very rare, especially with all the different writers I have on. It's rare to have a Miami set novel in a way, especially when it's this very deep nuance of mourning, loss, um, but it's interesting because when we let go isn't just a Miami narrative. It's actually someone who's a transplant into Miami yeah. from yeah. North Carolina. So I found this Southern, I mean, Miami's in the South, but I kind of consider Miami this like Northeast transplant. Miami's like, like, Miami's like the little stepsister of New York City, right? Yes, <laughs> it is. There's a lot of back and, and forth. And Miami's gotten so sophisticated. And so uh, there's this European influence and, you know, South Americans are here and it's just, it's this eclectic, it's very vibrant right now. I will say, I kind of love it. And I kind of hated it. I, I kind of liked when it was like this little quiet, little beachy town, but there are benefits to all of that. And to your point about writing in Miami, I, I write what I know. And I get a, a feeling from a place. So when we let go is set in the very beginning at Vizcaya, which is in Miami. And you don't even feel like you're in Miami when you're at Vizcaya. You feel like you're like in some like Italian gorgeous like villa. And then also North Carolina holds a very, very special place in my heart. I spend a lot of summers there since I was like four years old. 
So I get a sense of place and I feel something and I have to feel something for it to take root and to, and to grow into a story. Yeah. And well, like you said, writing from what you know is, yeah. I think, step one of your surroundings and how they influence you. Like, I mean, I've been on Long Island now nine years and it definitely has shaped, you know, the beach lifestyle that I have and all these different interactions. But I grew up in New Jersey, so it's not like too drastic. Oh, I was going to say, culture. where were you before Long Island? And you're like, okay, New Jersey, that's the same. Yeah, I grew up in South Jersey by Philadelphia, um, okay. kind of close to Cherry Hill, okay. um, which is like, you know, I think it's South Jersey. It's the well-known area. Um, but yeah, what I really love is even when you describe Vizcaya, which I think is a mansion, right? With gardens? Yeah. Is that? Okay. Um, so almost like an arboretum, I guess we would say here on Long Island, we have the Gilded Age mansions. Um, so I remember that right away we get your protagonist, Avery, is kind of reflecting a lot in Vizcaya about all these different themes. So I know your novel's called When We Let Go, but for some reason I've kind of said When We Let Go, a reflection on mourning, uh, loss, and love is like the subtitle in my head. Um, and I just want to know, like, why why are these themes, how did they come to you? Like, how did you know this was going to be a reflection on loss I at feel the heart? Like, I feel like a lot of my books have that emotional depth to them, those mm -hmm. layers that come from loss, not necessarily death, but grieving something in your life. I, and we were all, that's such a relatable topic. Um, and again, writing what we know, I've experienced my share of pain and disappointment and loss in my own life from, you know, not really having a father in the house when I was growing up. So what, what that felt like as a child to losing the physical and emotional presence of my mother as an adult. So I've experienced different kinds of grieving people and relationships and you, you know, you love, I just feel like I am a little bit of a love junkie. Um, I feel that everybody processes love and grief so differently. And I just love understanding the why the motivation behind it. Um, and I just feel like there's so much we can learn from how people experience love and grief. And that's something, those are the themes that I like to touch on in my novels because I always feel like there's these little hidden gems that I, things that I've learned that have helped me grow mm -hmm. that I want to share with my readers. You know, my mom was a teacher and she died 10 years ago. And I feel like that the teacher in her lives inside of me that my novels entertain, I hope, but I also want readers to walk away having learned something about themselves or seen themselves, you know, and to be able to handle love, relationships, family, grief in maybe a different way. And I've gotten that feedback from, from readers. And that to me is everything worth more than any bestseller list. Yes. 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 Reader response. It's the way I feel about those who listen right now out there, listeners out there. That's a Whitman poetry quote, but I, uh, that hearing how they're relating to your work is so, nothing can 
nothing can um, top that, right? I mean, that's why you put out art is for it to be received and responded to emotionally. And like, even when I'm reading When We Let Go, and I was saying to Rochelle, I'm listening to it too, which is really interesting with all these dialects of North Carolina and then um, like the uh, performer actually really digs deep into that. And um, what I think though about what you said, I kind of have seen your genre and maybe you don't see it this way, which, you know, <laughs> I hope this doesn't offend you. Um, but it's this beautiful realism meets romance, almost like a meditation, just a meditation Why? on life. Why would that offend? Hi, this is Andrew. So as some of you might know, I've been such a fan of the Gay and Lesbian Review bi-monthly magazine of history, culture, and politics that publishes essays in a wide range of disciplines as well as a slew of reviews of books, plays, and movies, and a number of special features, such as artist profiles and the popular art memo column. Did you know we actually had two of the writers on the Ivory Tower Boiler Room podcast, Ignacio Darnad and Vernon Rosario? So if you haven't, make sure you listen to those episodes. Each GNLR issue brings you consistently intelligent, lively, thought-provoking articles focused on a unifying theme and brings together the leading minds on the topic. You won't find a lot about the latest dating fads or fashion trends, though you might find articles about online dating as a social phenomenon, like Grindr, which I have some experience with, or the gay influence on 20th century fashion. Now, for a special offer, when you subscribe to the GNLR, You'll receive a free copy with any print or digital subscription. That's seven instead of six. Visit glreview.org. That's G-L-R-E-V-I-E-W.org. Click subscribe and enter promo code ITBR for your free issue. And as an added bonus, you'll receive online access to all archived issues of the magazine. Enjoy your reading. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Like well, I don't know. Sometimes when you say romance, that, that was re what did you call it? You called it. Well, it's like I would realism? call it. Yeah, romantic I think it's romantic realism. realism. OK, so so one of the things that I really try my hardest to do in carving out any stories and, and in real life, to be honest, is to be authentic and to be real. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's funny, like because of my journal writing all those years and the and the musing and the like the free association, but on paper type of thinking. I feel like when I'm writing, I'm really digging from my gut. Like, it's almost like I'm writing in my journal, but I'm writing this journal story. And it's, it's very real to me. Like I literally step into these characters and 
even if I haven't experienced a feeling like that, I've seen somebody I've loved experience a feeling like that. And I know, I don't know how, I don't know why. I just know how to capture and dig deep into those feelings. It just mm. comes easily to me. I can't write historical fiction. I can't, you know, I, I'm not the most succinct writer. <laughs> you know, sometimes there's a little bit of superfluous language because I'm like very expressive, but I just feel like, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I'm like that a medium that it's just, it, it comes through me and it comes out on the page. I don't know. Weird. Well, that's actually, an, I think that's the preferable method that you're not um, overcome by how is it going to happen on the page. But I'm sure you also have your doubt. Like, I feel like all writers, we have the moment of how is this even going to happen? <laughs> like the planning stage. But then there's always so much surprise, right? When you're actually oh, yeah. digging deep into the characters. It, well, I'm sure yeah. you've done, I'm sure you've done podcasts where it's the question comes up, are you a plotter, are you a pantser? And it's yes. the, it's one of the funniest questions because it's just, it's ubiquitous. It's all over, but it's an interesting question. But most writers will tell you whether they're a plotter or a pantser. I am a pantser. The one time I plotted, I, I had the same end result. My writer, my my characters, they take me in certain directions. Like I get a feeling from them. They fight me in my head. They're like, no, 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 that's not what I want to do. Your, 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 your characters lead you on this journey, really. Yeah, yeah. And just for everyone out there, pantsing is just like you don't have any... No outline. outline. No right. outline. You're kind of just seeing the characters as they come to you, like you said, Rochelle. Right. It's and I think when I the yeah. seat of your pants, that's what it yes. is. Yes, flying by the seat of your pants. I like right. that. Uh, being spontaneous. Right. Um, but you're right. I think even if that's the thing is when I write academic yes. scholarship, like I have a whole outline, but once I'm deep into the analysis, it's not following exactly every bullet point. Like it can't because if I follow every bullet point, I've held myself to the strict interpretation, which yeah. isn't. The the enjoyable part for me is the organic nature of writing. That's sure. what we, you know, why I love poetry as a genre, especially too, is there, it's not complete. Like there's always, it's a snapshot, but, and right. I feel like in your novel, it is very poetic. And I think when I said, I don't want to offend, it's more that I know sometimes when you get grouped as a romance writer, and I don't believe this, but- right there's almost a, oh, there's not that depth or the nuance, but I feel like romance as a genre is so full of philosophical questions because I would say almost every novel has an aspect of romance. Like, do you, do you, you yeah. do, but, but I hope your, your listeners out there know that also the romance genre right now, I'm not purely, I'm not romance. I'm not like really typecast into romance. I'm more women's like emotional fiction, whatnot. And yes, I always have some form of a romance in my book, but romance, rom-coms, they are taking off like nothing right now. I mean, mm -hmm. every bestseller list is like a rom-com or it's just, it's a, and people are reading those books. They're feel good books in a world that's a little bit crazy right now. They are yeah. feel good go-to books. Yeah. Well, I used to um, watch The Handmaid's Tale yeah. a lot a few years ago and then now right. i'm like reality tv rom-coms i just saw bros i'm a huge real housewives fan just because okay, so you're right yeah well and it's 
I like heaviness in work, but like when I'm just relaxing after my mind whirling and buzzing all day, do I really now want to watch The Handmaid's Tale in this Okay, so go watch Bad Sisters. Bad Sisters Sisters. is so mindless fun that- I like it. That's that I don't I don't watch a lot of TV anymore because now I'm just reading all the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why, like, if I choose a show, I really need to um, love, not even just love, but it has mm-hmm. to be so, en- this that entertainment value. Like, yeah, I even watch Abbott sure. Elementary, which I think is hilarious. And Shirley Ralph, I don't know. Well, there's so much the feel-good shows. But um, I'm so glad you said that, though, Rochelle, about romance, because, um, well, even Bridgerton, look at that. Oh, book series. Right. Period romances have made a comeback. It's, you know, even why I think people love, say, horror romance, like Interview of the Vampire. Um, But something in your novel that I want everyone out there to know is just how beautifully you craft. Um, Well, so Avery has lost her mother. We know at the beginning. And then we find out about this fire and this tragedy that happens with Avery and there's I don't want to like reveal it all because I want your readers yes she's shaking her head she's like don't say it all but I do I think I can safely say just as one of your readers it was so interesting how much in doubt I was about her first husband like whether I actually knew if he was alive or not um like you really craft this um, Oliver, Oliver. suspense Oliver yeah. yes so Oliver is part of this fire tragedy but it's almost it, it takes a while and I'm sure there's a reason I know there's a reason behind why Oliver um doesn't really come up in Avery's thoughts right. in full sentences it's just these right. real brief snaps snapshots glimpses not processing even where he is now, is he there? I was just questioning, who is Oliver? Where is he? And, but that way of just thinking about how grief, even if someone is dead or not, that you really can't fully grasp the gravity of a situation, I thought was one of the best portrayals I've seen of loss oh, in all you. of its aspects. Here's so I want to thank you. Just gave for me what goosebumps. Thank you. That's beautiful. Yeah. But Thank it you. is. And how do I'm how do you readers of When We Let Go respond to you, especially about the tragedy of the fire and like how that ripples and carries through with Avery? So a lot of my author friends don't know how that I do this, but I don't read reviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, my husband reads every review. <laughs> <laughs> If there's anything that I need to know, because sometimes reviews are good constructive criticism. And if you're seeing the same thing over and over again in reviews, it's something to definitely look at or consider. Um, But I have received through my newsletter, um, emails on my website. I have had a couple generous author writers who have reached out to me to tell me exactly what I set out to do that they were dealing with the loss of somebody and and it significant in their life and reading this book was so healing for them and it made them see a situation differently and you know the power of somebody you lost always with you 
like when we started this podcast do you remember when we started this podcast like Andrew had like a fire alarm go off and I was like did you lose somebody recently because somebody's trying to talk to you like lights flicker in my head I'm not like a spooky weird person but my mom died and I believe that she comes to me in butterflies and I, if the lights flicker, I'm like, my mom's trying to tell me something. And you know what? It sounds like pokey, but it's so it's my way of, of grieving and healing and mm -hmm. feeling her presence around me. And those are the types of things in my novels that I try to impart to readers and they share that with me. And it's just one of the most gratifying emails an author will ever receive and I'm friends with a lot like my last book this is not how it ends had a tremendous amount of loss and one of the one woman who was widowed emailed me and we are still friends we are we we email each other we are social media buddies like mm -hmm. I when she posts a picture of her husband like I know the story and you know that's so incredible not the five star reviews, not the one star reviews, not having that connection with another human being is really what yeah. it's all about. As a Long Islander, I was so excited when I finally found a med spa that totally matched everything I wanted. I was looking for a good facial place, a good place that had skin products. And guess what? In my hometown now of Port Jeff Village, there is Skin Med Spa. And I'm here with the owner, Lauren, who's going to explain to you all what kinds of services are offered, products that are offered, and you know why you should come to Skin Med Spa if you're in the Long Island or New York City area. Well, we wanted to open up a place that was offering all holistic natural treatments that were really providing results driven, um, where someone could come in, maybe struggling with acne and has tried so many different products and they couldn't find what was right for them. So we customize all treatments to really help you dive into your skincare goals, whether it's anti-aging rejuvenation, like I said, acne, just to help with cellular turnover, focus on building healthy skin. Um, we have two locations. We have Skin Med Spa and Body right here in Port Jeff Village. And again, we focus on all natural plant-based skincare. We'll help you design a good custom skincare line for you. And we'll help you find the right treatments, whatever your skin needs. Yeah. So Lauren and Sarah, they know that I get a cupping here. I get hydrofacials with Rosie. I get jet peel facials with Lauren. Everything here is so wonderfully curated, like Lauren said. And there's just any kind of product. Oh, I know there's now laser hair removal. I mean, there's always a new product being offered. So everyone out there who's listening, if they want to come to Skin Med Spa in Port Jeff Village, how can they find you and get in touch? We're really active on social media. So at Skin Med Spa PJ on Instagram, that's the best way you could probably find us because we really try to post daily updates of our clients and who's coming in and the treatments that we're doing. Um, and of course, on our website, there's always links down how to book an appointment. But everything we do when you call us, that's always the best way. We answer the phone and we'll talk forever and help you find whatever is perfect for you. Okay, well, hopefully Lauren gets to meet you all. Say that you heard Skin Med Spa's ad on the Ivory Tower Boiler Room, and maybe I'll see you all here. Okay. Good. Bye. Thank you. The Ivory Tower Boiler Room is so happy to welcome Broadview Press as our official sponsor. Broadview Press is an independent academic publisher in the humanities that produces high-quality, pedagogically useful books for use in university and college classrooms. 
They publish in the humanities, mainly in English studies, writing, philosophy, and history. They always publish with an eye towards diversity. So there is a strong list of titles from women, people of color, and other authors from marginalized groups. In the summer of 2022, they launched their new Broadview anthology of American literature, which increases diversity in the classroom because it rethinks the American canon and breathes new life into the American literary survey. It's actually been called, quote, the new gold standard in the field. I love using Broadview Press text in my own classroom at Stony Brook University. I can't wait to use the new anthology of American literature when I have the opportunity. And for all of you out there, Broadview Press has given us the official code, Ivory Tower, for 20% off site-wide on broadviewpress.com. Again, that is code Ivory Tower for 20% off. Well, and there's so much connection about love, like whether it's in your novel, When We Let Go, about first love, like with Elle, who's this kind of, um, how shall we call her? Um, She's a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say like beats to her own drum in a counterculture way. She's a brat. I'm not afraid of the reviews that tell me that she's a, what my husband tells me that she's a brat and I would have like slapped her a long time ago. She's, but you know what? I think about sometimes what I was like as a child and what I put my mother through and, you know, (laughs) I didn't feel loved and I was angry and that I was angry that my dad left and I had these enormous feelings and I had nowhere to put them. So (laughs) she was hostile. Yeah. Yeah. But I love it's not excusing the behavior, but it. Yeah. Well, and I think it's so fascinating how she enters your picture, which is enters your picture, enters Avery's, you know, scene, which is really that it's from Avery's ex who they may or may not come back together because Jude is the um, man's name who proposes to Avery. And then we're kind of left. She's walking this tightrope about what to do next. And I found it so interesting though, that Elle is so close to her. Um, even though Jude isn't in the picture physically with her right then and there that she really gets to bond with his daughter. And I found that that was a really interesting relationship that you don't see a lot ever depicted, which is, um, just a child of someone who, um, you know, there. it's not like Avery owes Jude to take Elle under her wing. So I kind of wondered, how did that bond between them really develop with you as a writer? Like, that, you know, him. Was, this is where it has to go. Yeah. I love the whole enemies to friends. Um, mm-hmm. It's, um, you know, I think I love that whole dynamic of watching you know stories have arcs I loved watching the arc of these two broken women Avery had lost her mother and she there was the fire tragedy so there was more loss in her life and Elle lost her mother too Mm -hmm. so you had two broken women and Avery and and Jude were dating for like I think I don't even remember it was like a year or two I think so she definitely so so Avery was in her life and I think these two women when they were first of all 
being in North Carolina together, I do believe that nature is this grounding influence. So number one, I think there was some bit of setting that really pushed them together. But also they were like mirrors of each other. They were both hurt. They were both broken. And they saw so much of each other, so much of themselves mm. in each other. So that, you know, when you see somebody, it's like you're most critical of those, you're, you're most critical of others in what you're most critical of your in yourself. So I feel mm. that there was all this angst between these two because they were so broken and so... Um, but I feel like that they, they were a mirror to each other and we watched them like peel down the layers of this, this, this thick onion and discover that they were both going through the same types of hurt and healing and how ultimately they could heal each other. You know, Elle was looking for a mom figure and Avery, it's not a secret that she lost a child and this was somebody that she wanted to prove herself and prove her worth with and, and their hurt bound them, mm-hmm, their losses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes I like, um, I like that aspect though, of the mystery of like, you've even explained with Avery and L just that bond that they share together. And it kind of reminds me of what we think about with fairy tales. And maybe this gets back to this, idea of the romance, which is as a genre that fairy tales, usually they're seen as having um, just the happy ending aspect and the marriage or a proposal, the love between this very straight male, female dynamic that happens. But at the heart of a fairy tale, or not even at the heart, at the start of a fairy tale is always lost is usually the parents loss. And then how is the child going to move forward and create their own path right and like whether it be cinderella rapunzel i mean name any snow white it's always that loss of a parent and then how they become women and i mean for them usually it's through marriage but what i find so fascinating is you have kind of crafted a fairy tale that's you know, though, between women. And I find this so interesting because it doesn't take that usual journey of, okay, Avery needs to marry to find fulfillment. And I'm sure you've thought a lot about that aspect. So, you know, how does that resonate about really knowing Avery needed to find herself without a male influence? And I think that also harkens back to this relationship that she had with Elle and, you know, accepting, being able to accept faults in others and being able to accept faults in oneself. You know, we, we fight with these, we, she fought with Avery so much in, in the relationship, but she saw so much of herself. And then they reached this point where they were both more accepting. That's, and that's the piece you're talking about is that self accepting piece and the forgiveness. And I, I loved the scene in the woods where they spent the night and it was like, a, it was a, what was I trying to say? Um, you're gonna, you're gonna, edit this part <laughs> it was that survival of the fittest that you know the for the survival of them in, in the woods and how it was really l 
who changed Avery's trajectory on mm. what happens in the forest. And she was the one who gave her that push that she needed. And I just loved all the psychological layers of that alliance. I feel that it was just very, like you said, it was, it was a fairy tale and I strive to hit that note. It was very satisfying. They, they were as much a love story as her and Jude. So we usually have, I usually interview LGBTQ authors. So it's really interesting me for the relationship dynamic that you create with Avery and, um, you know, with Jude and even with Elle and her first, well, serious relationship, we'll say that something that seems daunting is how you create that even just sexual tension or romance between men and women without falling into these tropes of like, okay, the man is going to become the protector or like patriarchal ideas. So how do you process that? Is it again, something from your own experience that just launches how that arc? Question. I don't yeah. think I've ever really thought about that. So it must come from just my own experiences. Um, I have gotten some feedback about, oh, like some of my other books where, oh, she needed a man to make her feel good or whatnot. But, you know, I have to say, and you, you, you nailed it. Like, I do believe in the fairy tale, whether it's male, male, women, female, female, male. I, ju mm -hmm. I just like the whole fairy tale dynamic. And, and I don't mean to offend anybody yeah. when, when I do that. And I don't mean to make a strong woman look weak and 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 only you know complete without a man uh, to me it's more like the emotional journey and i and i try to show the woman's emotional journey and her growth to self-acceptance and then what she wants to do with that she wants to do with that so i i don't know i am a little old-fashioned that way i thought this i thought this question was going to go a different way like about i thought you were going to say well how do you do like sex scenes and then oh. you know stop or whatever and i'm like well because my publishing house has told me that you know you know it's the kind of thing where they start kissing and then you pan to the window <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, if you want to talk like, about sex scenes, you can go go, go for it. But... I love writing sex scenes. I'd like to have, and my friend, and I'm going to name her Wendy Kingsley, she wants more sex scenes in my books. Um, I would love more sex scenes, more juicy sex scenes, but, you know, there's that fine line between romance slash women's fiction romance. Um, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I um, I can, I do write juicy, like angsty, tension-filled you're gonna yeah. love me. And you do such a, oh, your new book. Okay, well, I'll talk about that real quick. But yeah, and you do such a good job. Like as a, you know, you're one of your gay readers. Uh, I started the Rochelle Gay Reader Fan Club. Um, <laughs> no, but you have such a really what? exciting way of showing eroticism and the layers of desire and just how, you know, I don't have to be interested in like finding a woman to be interested in your sex. I wouldn't even call them sex scenes in just, yeah, they're just the layers of human desire. And exactly. you really they're basically create that. words. They're words that could be applied to male or female. So yeah, you yeah. just, you just, you just um, arrange them in the right order and the right pacing and it's hot and it's sexy and it doesn't matter who's doing it. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, True Crime and Ivory Tower Boiler Room listeners. Listen, the holidays are literally right around the corner. And I know that some of you are scrambling to find that gift for that person on your list who is just so difficult to buy for because they have everything. Or you're sitting there in your home and you're realizing that there is this space in your house that just is begging to be decorated, but you don't know what to put there. Well, I'm here to tell you that Mandy Made It has the answers to all of your holiday needs. Mandy Made It makes the best handmade crochet and cricut items I have ever seen. And I mean, literally, she can make anything. The customization options are literally endless. So go to at Mandy Made It on Instagram and search Mandy Made It on Facebook Slide into her DMs and order your customized holiday gifts and decorations today. That's at Mandy Made It on Instagram. And Mandy is spelled M-A-N-D-E-E. Once again, search Mandy Made It on Instagram and Facebook. Slide in her DMs and order your gifts or holiday decorations today. Yeah. Well, and I had something that even just I think that captivates and tantalizes me more in When We Let Go that I'm sure others have responded to is not even whether Avery is going to end up with Jude or whether there's going to be marriage. To me, it's not the marriage that's so fascinating. And it's what you do so well in When We Let Go, which is because it's not a genre that I typically read. So I was so excited to discover your work, Rochelle. How I'm like, oh, find me. This is so funny. Was this? Well, this I think it's probably through Josh Severa, who has like okay. connected me to. Oh, so my God, many. Josh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, yeah, shout to out to him. Josh. We'll have to send Josh. By the way, shout out to Josh, who's going to be on TV on the on Saturday. Did you know that? No, no. Well, so he's already been on TV as this comes out. But yes, what is he doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to tell you. Um, Josh will be on. He's like, don't watch it. So God knows he may kill me for sharing this. But Josh is going to be. I'm on Homework Movies and Mysteries 10 p.m. on Saturday. I would encourage you to not Well, you know, it's just between us and the listeners now. But Josh, it's already premiered. So is it wait, he's on a Hallmark movie or is it like a guest spot? It's on Hallmark okay. Movies and Mysteries, 10 p.m. on Saturday. <gasps> oh, OK. Well, I am now going to investigate this. So but yeah, I think what. I know Josh is so. Looks for in a genre is what I look for in a genre, which is just that depth of human, the human experience. And that's something in When We Let Go, like whether or not Avery gets that spark of love isn't as fascinating to me than just why is she 
um, how she reflects on Jude's impact in her life and how she can't let him go. Like there's these moments of, I think we have all experienced with love that you could just be making an omelet. And then all of a sudden that thought of someone in your past right. comes into your mind. And now you're thinking about the dates you went on together, you know, the laughter you had, and then you realize, but wait, there's something that ended this. Like, that's why I'm not next so, to this person. So what you're, what it sounds like you're saying is that it's that universal feeling and it's relatable. It is very of, relatable. Regardless of how it ends up. And um, I, 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 I don't want to pat myself on the back, but that's, that's what every author strives for, you know, to have that relatability across genres, across identity, sexuality, whatever it is, however it ends, um, to have something that really speaks to you. Yes. And right. Of course, there's that reader relatability about your identity. And if it speaks directly to your identity, right. Like when I read, if I read a, um, gay love story, like, or even just call me by your name, it registers differently. Right. Just because I can directly try to put myself in the narrative. But I love that also aspect of reflecting on, okay, well, this isn't necessarily my identity. But right. like you said, this is the universal theme of love. And how has this affected me? You ask a lot of meditative questions in a process like that. And then, like you said, that's what you want as a writer. And I'm so glad you gave me so many ways to reflect about past love and even where I am now in my journey with love. And um, well, I know a nice single yeah. guy in California, <laughs> not Josh. Somebody I was going to say, is it Josh Severa? <laughs> no, we love Josh. I know. Well, I let's see, Rochelle. I mean, maybe I'll be doing that East West Coast. I don't want to really leave the New York City, Long Island area, but I'm not opposed to California. I'm a huge San Fran fan, too, in L.A. So, right. you know, um, and I need to get to Miami. That's a place now. You so know, many people I know I need to come. come. You, if yeah. you come, you have to call me. I promise you, okay. I will take you out. We'll have dinner. I'll, we'll, we'll just do fun stuff. Oh, we'll have to go to Vizcaya. Because now yes! I'm yes! like, I want to see this. Because I love, love gardens and mansions. It's yeah. so beautiful. And I know it's in that area of Miami that like is the destination of art and culture. It's, and... Like, it's literally like being in another country being there. It's not like being in Miami. Yeah. And I really want to see Star. Is it? There's Fisher Island, Star Island. I don't know. Yeah, you're laughing. I watched The Real Housewives of Miami, so I know about those islands. Um, so you mentioned that you are working on a new book, and I will really like it because of the themes we've discussed here. So what are you working on, Rochelle, that we can expect so, from you? Okay, well, my pub date just changed from May of 23 to October of 23. Ooh, okay. I just view that as we're just going to make it that much better. Um, yeah. It's Right now, the working title is What You Do to Me. It is, it's dual timeline. And it is the story of Cecilia James. She was named after Cecilia from Simon and Garfunkel. And she works for Rolling Stone magazine. And she is on the hunt for the muse behind one of like these famous love songs. This is 1996. Oh, wow. And 
the, the do and then in 1970 in the dual timeline you read the story of this spanish boy and this jewish girl and it's a forbidden love and how their story unfolds and she's the muse for this song and why they're not together and why they parted and there's themes of loss there's themes of second chances there's the you know it's all and there's music and there's it's a, it's it's rolling stone and it's cool and it's hip and it's the 70s and it's the 90s so i think it's like a mishmash of really cool stuff oh wow well you are going to absolutely love a friend of the show who well when this has come out everyone should listen we had recapped the marilyn monroe film blonde because elizabeth winder is a Mon wrote a monroe biography but now she actually in the summer so a few months i think it's july before your book comes out rochelle rolling stones must be in everyone's mind i love it in the psyche the zeitgeist because she actually wrote parachute women which is going to be about um marianne faithful marcia hunt bianca jagger and anita pallenberg I'm right and parachute yeah parachute women, women. Mm -hmm. and it's a biography about the women who curated the rolling stones image like the women in their lives oh, wow. Yeah. Well, so, you know, Jan Wenner just came out with his new book, the Ro Rolling Stone book. So that's there must be an anniversary. Stone. Is yeah. there an anniversary? Okay, okay. Something's happening in the Rolling Stone universe. Yes. But um, well, I can't wait, Rochelle. I love a dual narrative. I like this time dual timeline. I think that is so fascinating. I like that you're going to your music industry roots. Uh, so yeah, I can't wait for this. So October, we'll have to have you back on. I um, love it. We're going to have some Rolling Stones love here in the Ivory Tower boiler room. Um, I like it. I have to like catch up on the playlist. Um, but yeah, I just want to really thank you for just your words, the themes that you really delve into, because it's not, I think it's easy. Okay. I shouldn't say easy. No writing job is easy, but I, I find that like going into mysteries, which I love and horror or thrillers or, or I love all genres um, or even historical fiction. I find that you're, you've kind of created or fantasy, even we've had Gregory Maguire here on about wicked and his universe mm -hmm. that it's so exciting when you create a new universe in a way, like you're, you're so you become distanced as the writer in a sure, different way. Sure. But I think when you write realist fiction, and especially when it deals with loss and love and romance, there's so much of yourself in a way in that, of your own experience, mm -hmm. that it almost starts to border memoir in a way. And oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I thank you for putting, for really putting that on the page, because I think it's a different psychological experience as a writer than when you're distant, like when you can create a different universe that is out of time, like you don't, you know that it probably, even like a girl on the train, this isn't right, something right, we right, right. hopefully want to see. Um, and you can have that disbelief as a writer when right. you're suspending it that way. So yeah, thank you for getting to thank the heart you. of it all. Thank you for yeah. reading and thank yes. you for having me. Yes, well, and everyone out there, please get When We Let Go. Um, I have sh the uh, links to it in our show notes. I also have the audible link. If you're also 
like me and audible yeah i've trained my mind to listen to audiobooks when i'm showering cooking doing emails it's like Same. it's just the noise i need i love having narratives in the background but um rochelle's books are you know don't just only do when we let go go down the deep dive into rochelle's catalog and yes. then we will have you back on Perfect. i can't wait for your Sounds new book great. thank, thank you, so you andrew this yes. was so much fun and thank you so much of course, of course. Well, and say hi to Miami for me. It'll. I need We're to, welcoming like, you. We're I welcoming know, you. I know. I can feel it. I'm like, okay. I need to find a way to like do a something. I could. I need to see what's in their libraries. I will. Okay. I will find a reason. We'll figure it out a way. We'll figure it out. Okay. Well, thank you, Rochelle, right, and thanks, thanks, Andrew. Have an thank awesome you. day. Thanks you too, and bye to everyone out there. Bye. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> LGBT stories are universal, but each one speaks to the individual heart and soul of the writer telling it. Do you have a story to tell? Have you been moved by an LGBT book, film, painting, television show, or other form of media? If so, the Gay and Lesbian Review wants to hear from you. The GNLR believes in bringing awareness to queer art and artists through reviews, commentary, and thought pieces in which the author relates their personal lives to a particular piece of art, a novel, a movie, or what have you. In addition to the articles published in the print magazine, the GNLR also publishes articles on its blog, as well as personal essays on its popular Here's My Story section. This allows people like you to share their own experiences with our readers. To learn more about submitting either to the print or the online edition of the GNLR, visit georeview.org. That's G-L-R-E-V-I-E-W dot O-R-G. And scroll down to the bottom of the page to find a link to their writer's guidelines. If you have questions, email me at stephen.hemrick at georeview.org. The GNLR can't wait to see what you have to say. Hi, Ivory Tower Boiler Room audience. It is Andrew Rimby, the director of the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. Welcome to our winter season. And are you trying to stay warm this season? Well, guess what? We have the Ivory Tower Boiler Room Cafe. It is our Patreon where there is so much bonus content. So I'll go over all that. But first, it's only $5, which is less than a latte, a cappuccino, a coffee, a tea, basically anything now because, you know, we have some inflation going on. So Join us on our Patreon, patreon.com slash ivory tower boiler room. What do you get? You get Gregory Maguire giving us all the scoop on the Wicked Movie musical. You get Jesse Green giving us his hot takes on the Broadway musical. If you don't know who Jesse is, well, you should because he's the chief theater critic of the New York Times. You get all the JFK and Marilyn Monroe scoop from Elizabeth Winder, a Marilyn Monroe biographer. So much more. You get all our video interviews. You can see everything, including the bonus content. And Mary's going to tell you from True Crime and Academia what you get later. But if you're not following us on social media and seeing our video teasers, well, you need that to stay, you know, nice and energized on these winter days. So follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Ivory Tower Boiler Room. While it's still here, why don't you follow us on Twitter at Ivory Boiler Room? And here's my chief contributor, Mary. 
Hey, true crime friends and ivory tower boiler room friends. Like Andrew said, you're going to get access to all of this bonus content that includes true crime and academia. So not only will you have access to the bonus episode each month, you will also have video access to the interviews that I conduct on my podcast once a month. You get all of that extra content at your fingertips whenever you feel like watching it, literally for a cup of coffee. So why don't you just buy us one? That'd be so nice. We would appreciate that because we love your support already, but we could use a little bit more if you don't. Oh, yes, we could. And also, hey, do you all know you can actually DM us questions at our social media channels? Yes. Also, why don't you ask us questions with our social media posts? We love it. We even shout out questions on our episodes. And if you want, you can always email us at ivorytowerboilerroom at gmail.com to actually order our merchandise. So mm-hmm. we have hats, we have t-shirts, we have posters, we have everything. If you want any merchandise with the Ivory Tower Boiler Room logo, we're going to make it happen for you. Okay, on that note, happy winter season, everyone. Happy winter. <laughs>